Welcome to the East Side Story Podcast, brought to you by the Hope Center in Kansas City. This podcast aims to inspire you with stories of good work being done on the east side of Kansas City and to educate you on the unique and powerful perspective of its leaders and its residents. You're listening to the East Side Story. All right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of East Side Story. Um, I'm here with a brother named Cornell Ellis, and it is an amazing opportunity to have him with us because he is a Casey native and he's making an impact in our community. He grew up right at 75th of Harrison, which is really close to Truce, um, and is also making an impact on the east side of Kansas City. So, Cornell, uh, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Um, tell us tell us a little bit about your story and the organization that you're leading here in Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me. It's, it's such a, a blessing and, and a pleasure to be here with you, Marcellus, on, and having this platform to be able to talk about you know, things that are making a difference over here where we live, right? right? And where we're right. from. Um, I, like you said, I grew up at 75th and Truce. Um, my, my mother and grandmother stay on 41st and, and Prospect. Right. So, you know, I was all in this area um, growing up. These are my stomping grounds. Right? right. Like we was riding our bikes. Right. Till the streetlight come on, you know, 20, 30 blocks away. Um, experiencing those things that we're so joyous, right? But some, right. sometimes a little dangerous, you right, know. Right, so, right, right, right. <laughs> definitely <laughs> those experiences. Um, and so for me, you know, growing up on the east side, my mother was from here. She was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so my Central mother, High School, right? Yep. Central yeah. Middle. Central Middle. Central Middle School. Central Middle she, School. She's at East High right now. So shout out to Casey Public Schools. You yes, know what I'm saying? Yes. That's, that's really making a change and a difference in our kids' lives. But my mother being a teacher, I saw a certain perspective. You know, right. I saw you know, kids that weren't achieving. I saw schools that weren't treating teachers right. I saw teachers mm. that were burnout mm-hmm. and exacerbated with their work. And so for me, it was all about you know, how can I give back to the community while also following this calling and this passion that I had. Many of my family members have had to be educators. Right, right. right. Um, and so once I graduated from college, I started teaching here in the Kansas City area. While I was in college, I worked at, you know, like Boys and Girls Clubs and camp counselors and stuff like that. Right. And I was also a college athlete. So I loved, you know, being around the game, coaching, using sports to kind of get through the kids and be able to teach kids those life lessons. So when I started coaching and teaching, you know, when I graduated from college, I really realized that, you know, coaching and teaching and being a a system or being a part of that system wasn't really enough to change it. You know, I think oftentimes we think about liberation we think about how we free ourselves and there's two different schools of thought. You know, mm-hmm. some people think that we can just go to the front door and kick it down mm-hmm. and burn down the system. And some people think that we should sneak in the back door right. and be a part of the system and kind of unveil it from the inside. Right. And what I decided for me, my path was more of a front door kicker. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I'm more than one of those guys <laughs> that, that like to uh, show up unapologetically up front, yes. you know, with, with my mission and, and what, what needs to happen. Cause I see the gap there. Yes. Uh, and so I saw black and brown educators leaving the profession at uh, exorbitant rates. I saw families, black and brown families being traumatized inside of school environments. Um, I saw curriculum. I saw school policies that weren't conducive to actual critical thinking for kids. Right. And so we founded an organization called Block. Right. Brothers Liberating Our Communities yep. is an organization that looks to increase number of black male teachers inside of schools. Yeah. Uh, and we truly believe that when there were more black male teachers, 
the world will be more just. Mm. You know, we'll close mm. the wealth gap. We'll close the opportunity gap. Mm. We'll close the health gap. You know, all of these things that are symptoms of this oppressive society that we live in. Right. I truly believe they could all be alleviated by more black male teachers. Okay, so check this. <laughs> all right, so I want to actually go backwards in your story a little bit. Right, okay, because right. you grew up as a kid riding your bike on the east side. Yeah. And then once you got to high school, mm-hmm. you changed. crossed the infamous state line. <laughs> okay. So you went to Rockhurst High School, okay? And now you've got families from Prairie Village, Shawnee Mission, Overland Park, Lee Summit. You've got got friends from all different parts of the city, Mm -hmm. and you're experiencing a different world than you grew up in, but you're in the same city. You're 10 minutes away. So what was that experience like going from growing up on the east side of Kansas City to now playing football at Rockhurst High School mm-hmm. in one of the nicest parts of the city. One of the nicest parts of the country. Right. Like, let's right. be honest. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Like Mission Hills and and Overland Park, these are some of the richest subdivisions in the country, you know? So we really wanted to like most people don't understand that, you know, Kansas City, Missouri and KCK, mm-hmm. like you could lay down in the middle of state line. Right. And you can be in two states at once. Two states right? at one time. And so being on the Missouri side and then going over to Rockhurst, I remember I tell people this all the time. My first day at Rockhurst, I never seen that many white people at once. Wow. Like literally, I'd never been in a space where that many white people were in one space. Right. I remember sitting in the in the commons and looking at the front door and p- white people just kept pouring in through the door, pouring through the door, pouring through the door. <laughs> I kept looking for, where are all the black folks at? I'm looking for black folks because I come from Lincoln Prep. Right. So at Lincoln Prep, you know, we we are going down on 18th and Vine where my father worked at the historic Lincoln building. Right. You know, I, I in the Greg Center, you know, right. I grew up around these places where there ain't nothing but people that look like me. Right. And now I'm in this environment where no, almost no one looked like me. In the me. same city. Right. Right across town. Right. Right right across town. And so it was immediate for me to, first of all, find the people in that environment that did look like me. Right. Right. And so that was kind of some of my first instances working for social justice. Right. You know, I was the president of of their the social justice committee and club at Rockhurst mm-hmm. as a student, mm-hmm. which served as like the black kid club, right? It was like our affinity group, <laughs> right? right? But it also was the vehicle for getting policies and having real conversations and having change in the Rockhurst school, right? right? I have countless examples of how the club, the diversity club that we were a part of, helped push the school, helped push the board. My father was one of the founding members of Parents Promoting Diversity, which is still an organization with a a parent organization at Rockhurst. So this idea of pushing school systems towards justice is something that I've been doing since I was a freshman in high school. Wow. That's powerful. That's yeah. powerful. Thank you. Okay. So you play football at University of Missouri. Yeah. Um, you play football at Avila. Yeah. And you fell in love with education. Yes. And yes. and not only that, but you fell in love with seeing black leaders thrive and mm-hmm. being examples to younger, younger kids of color. Right. So like, right. where did that passion grow for you? Like, where did it, if there was, if there was like an inception or if there was a time where that dream just really sprouted in your heart mm-hmm. and mind, when, when was that? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was at, uh, my father, as I just mentioned, was a very influential person in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, not technically an educator, but right, he right, homeschooled right. me in middle school when right. I was a real troublemaker. And then he was the one that really decided that Rockhurst was the best place for me. Wow. Um, he passed away my senior year of high school. Okay. And so when he left and I went to the University of Missouri to play ball, 
I really didn't realize how lost I was. Wow. I had I had lost the community that was Rockhurst. That was a great community for me to, to me to be in. Mm-hmm. I had pl- lots of great friends and support systems from that place. I wasn't with them anymore. I wasn't in my hometown no more. I wasn't with my mama no more. Right. And I didn't have anybody to wake me up and take me to class. Wow. You know, I had nobody to push me to be the college student that I knew I needed to be. Right. right? And that first experience with education really jarred me. Mm-hmm. You know, I failed out of Mizzou after three semesters. Mm-hmm. I played two two seasons there. And that really, first of all, kind of made me sit down and wonder, you know, where I was as a person, mm-hmm. right? Um, at that point, I was at a very dark depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, these types of symptoms that were leading me down darker and darker paths, right? right? Deeper right. and deeper valleys. My mother recognized these things in me, you know, very quickly mm-hmm. because she's also been a person that dealt with grief and trauma, you right. know, and, and mom knows. Mom knows, you yeah. know, she see it in your eyes. Right. She pop up on you. Right. Columbia not that far. Right, you know right, right. It's, it's two a couple hours. hours and she ain't got she just pop up. Yeah. She, I, I walk out my dorm room and she be standing there like, mm-hmm, I see you. Mm-hmm, I see you. I'm going back home now, but I see you, right? Bring yourself over here. Exactly. Yeah. And so when I fell out, she knew. She was like, yeah, I know. You ain't been going to class. I've been watching you for three semesters wow. not do nothing. I knew wow. you was about to drop out. So, okay, well, I'm, I'm coming home. She's like, no, you're not. Wow. You better go figure that out. Yeah. So yeah. I enrolled at a local JUCO in Columbia, uh-huh. got my associate's degree there, finished yeah. up my two-year. And then Avila called me uh-huh. and said that they heard I played football. At yeah. that point, it had been, what, a year and a half, two years since okay. I played a snap of football. Wow. So it was incredible that they had continued to keep in touch with me and mm-hmm. still wanted me to come back and play and to pay for my education yes. to come back and play, yes. right? So I came back to Kansas City, and Avila really was the transformation when it comes to education for me. Mm-hmm. And I recently just found out that I won their Alumni Award um, this year. Congratulations. Which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah that's so, a big deal. Yeah, it is. So I'll be honored in October at homecoming next year. But really what it was, it was that institution that shifted what my education looked like mm-hmm. and the way I felt about it. Um, at Mizzou, you know, or at any big institution, you know, you're, you're more of a number. You got to be take more initiative to get to know your professor, sit in the front row, you know, log in early, stay late, go to the right. library, all these things that are really great study habits that right. you may not have gotten in high school. At Avila, at a small, at any small institution or most small institutions, you're going to have teachers that are one on one. You know, if I miss class, my teacher was calling me. Where you at? Right. You know, I know you live across right. the street. You better get your butt over here for right. class. Right. right. Uh, missing assignments, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I was able to have that kind of guidance yes. from these small educators or from these small school educators that really allowed me to take education more seriously. Mm-hmm. And then the second shift was uh, the shift into my studies of, of history. Right. And so I had a couple of really great history professors <clears throat> that started to illuminate for me exactly how much history I had been taught that wasn't correct, mm. right? And so- That's big. Um, yeah, when I first started at Avila, I was an education major. Mm-hmm. Um, and halfway through that major, I decided that actually history was where I really wanted to focus Okay. Um, so that I could get more specified degrees and get more, uh, more depth of learning into these fields. Um, and so that's really where, you know, my understanding of education as not just you know, repetition or regurgitation, but actual critical thinking, critical analysis, uh, being able to um, be literary and not just be literate, right? right. Like these are two okay. different things. Okay. And when we talk about, you know, criticality of reading something and saying, no, that's not quite right. 
Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm going to go look at another perspective over here and kind of figure out, kind of piece these two things together. Right. And that's what history did for me. And that's what I try to do for kids now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, this is what kids need to have. Then they have educators that show them that education is not just me standing at the front of the room talking to you about what you should know. It's engaging you. It's yeah. about us learning together. Yes. This is a learning environment yes. where all of us learn together. Yes. I learn from you just as much as you learn from me. Yes. You know? Yes. And just because I have a certain set of knowledge mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm any smarter than you or better than you or that I can't leave you with the dignity right. that you deserve as a, as right. a human being, kid right. or not. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So here's a question. Okay. Uh, so we're in the middle of a boxing gym. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sweating. Y'all can see it. <laughs> we ain't here sweating. Okay. Boxing gyms are not comfortable places. You mm-hmm. know, it's hot in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the heavy back here. We got a ring right there. And boxing is a is a sport that is combative. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're fighting for something. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about um um your organization and what it means in this community, what are you fighting for? And what are you fighting against? Mm-hmm. I wore my Ali shirt too. I like it. I see it. Because really, you know, I mean, look, Ali is a, is a great example of an athlete, right? An athlete advocate, an, an athlete um, revolutionary. Yes. Right? Yeah. Had um, a powerful voice. Powerful voice and used it unapologetically. Yes. Right? Showed yes. up and said what he needed to say and will beat you behind too in the ring. Right. You know? Right. And so- for me as an athlete, transition to revolutionary, mm-hmm. right? These spaces are very sacred to me. Yes. You know, I just started coaching football for the first time since I stopped playing football. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 sacred it's sacred to put and on. You're coaching cleats. at uh Kaufman? U- University, University Academy. Academy. Okay, yeah, I'm coaching yeah. at University Academy. That's shout right. out shout out to the Griffins, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but it's sacred to put cleats on and put a hat on. Or step into space specified for a certain skill. Yes. You know what I'm saying? To to master your craft, to put so much time, energy, ten thousand hours. Right. Right. Makes you, to makes master you an expert. your craft. Yeah. yeah. And you know, our organization is fighting for liberation. Yes. But these two things are not not parallel, right? Mm-hmm. Like fighting for what you want inside of a gym or fighting for what you want on a football field. Is the same as fighting for what you want in a classroom mm. or fighting for what you want um, at a board meeting mm-hmm. or at um, a policy debate, mm-hmm. right? Um, or just in everyday life, right. right? Like we talk about, I talk to white people a lot. Mm-hmm. What do we do? How do we be, you know, how do we fight back? It's, uh, it's like waking up every morning and reading five articles a day. Yeah. Right. Like that's fighting. Educate yourself. That's fighting, right? Yes. Like spending yes. your free time looking up anti-racist resources. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like that's fighting. You know, for me, it's about getting out. You know, you hit me up this morning. I was like, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. it's like doing whatever it takes to meet the people that I need to meet to push the mission forward, to do the mission forward work. Yes. You know, and sometimes that requires less sleep. Yes. Sometimes that requires less food. Yes. Right. But the the real fuel is mm-hmm. the work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The real fuel is. Is this engagement, yes. right, and that keeps us pushing forward and that keeps us fighting? Yes. Last question: How do people get in contact with you? How do they get a hold of you? How do they learn more about your organization? Yeah. So Block really does three things. Mm-hmm. We work specifically with Black male educators, of course, right? Mm-hmm. We do professional development specified for Black men, right? So, for example, you know, most professional developers inside of school is like how to build relationships with students. <laughs> 
black male educators don't need to have a PD about engagement. Most of them don't need to have engagement with kids PD. We need to have a PD about how to talk to white people when they perform microaggressions on us, right? Right, like right. We need to have PD about how to manage up without the right social navigation skills to be able to, to advocate for ourselves, right? right? So, right. so having specified professional development for black male educators and a, and a full you know programming list of social events. Right. So you can always go to our website and check out you know when the next event is going to be. We get mm-hmm. together every month. Mm-hmm. And if you want to just come in and dabble, go to a social event or go to a PD with us. That's a great way to do it. Right. Um, when you also work with youth, right? Mm-hmm. So we do mm-hmm. mentorships. That's exactly what we're going to be hopefully doing with Hope Center, right? Is, right? is getting in there, bringing more black male educator tutors, mentors. Yes. And what we believe is that when we revolutionize a young black boy's experience inside of school, then they have a better chance of being a teacher. Exactly. Right? Like, why would a young black boy want to go back to be a teacher when all they've ever known about teaching is white people teaching them about white people and teaching them that they're nothing but slaves and have nothing to contribute to this mm. curriculum. That's a scene a of a false crime. false sense of history. Right? That's, that is revisionist history, right? And when you teach our kids that, no wonder they don't want to come back and teach that, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> we work with kids to show them, no, your teacher can look like this. He can wear medallions, nice dunks, and wear locks. Mm-hmm. You know, your teacher can, can talk the way that you talk. He can know the same music that you know come mm-hmm. from the same places that you come from. Right. So we work with kids, mentors, and tutors, pathway exposure, we call that. And the third way is we work with organizations and schools. So mm-hmm. if you're listening and you think that maybe your organization or your school could use um, an equity audit, mm-hmm. or you could use some anti-racist development, mm-hmm. or you could use some thought partnership to be able to think about how you can be a better uh, leader based in equity, right? My organization is able to provide those types of services as well. Because right, right. like I said, as black male educators, we have to work with the ones that are already there. Right. Like we want to go into schools that are already there and say, here's what's not working right. 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 Here's how we can help push your system so that the black men will want to stay exactly. and more will want to come. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So all three of those ways you can get involved. If you're a black male, contact me. If you're mm-hmm. a, a mom or a parent and you want your black boy to be interested or have tutors or mentors that are black men, call me. Yes. If you think your organization, your institution needs to have a thought partner or someone to come and do some public yes. speaking, call me. And shout out your website. Theblockkc.org. T-H-E-B-L-O-C-K-C.org. Man, I love it, man. This is Cornell Ellis. One thing that he didn't tell you is that, man, he's just, he's a certified hustler. So <laughs> he, he, he doesn't just have these three, you know, formal ways that, that he does this, but I mean, he's stuffing gift bags to encourage, um, teachers that are people of color. I mean, he's going to schools to visit African-American teachers. I mean, he, he's out there and, and, and right now it, it the, the organization is growing, but he's out there putting a lot of sweat equity, um, behind a really, really good thing that's helping our community. So y'all go to his website, check him out, help him out. And we love to see how God is sending more and more people to the east side of Kansas City uh, to fight for this community. Thank you all. Thank you for tuning in to the East Side Story podcast. To learn more about the Hope Center, visit us at www.hopecenterkc.org or connect with us on social media at Hope Center KC.